0: Good morning. Is everybody's home uh, all decorated for Christmas? Our house is ready to go. Thanksgiving happens, we bust out Christmas. It's time, it's time for Christmas. It's an exciting time of year. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, um, you can grab those. Get your note sheet uh, if you want to take notes. We're going to uh, be looking at a story that's found in the book of Mark. And so if you can open up to Mark chapter 2, the story is found uh, through verses 1 through 12. We're going to focus on just a few of those verses this morning. But get that ready to go and all that good stuff. How many of you had a uh, house full of guests this weekend? Anybody with house full of guests? Anybody at somebody else's house that was a house full of people? Yeah, it's an exciting time of year. I love uh, this time of year. I love uh I love Christmas music. I know that's not popular with everybody. Um, I love that uh, I can hear the Christmas music in the stores. I love the shorter days. I love the weather. I like that crisp feeling in the morning of just going out and just feeling that cold. I would much rather try and warm up than be cold. And so I love uh, this time of year. And uh, this part of that is, uh, this year is super special because we're new grandparents. Yeah, I know, right? And so uh, we got to celebrate our first Thanksgiving with James and that uh, was super uh, exciting for us. But things look very different for our family around the holidays. And I don't know if you've had things change and uh, uh, things have adjusted and all of that. And um, I love uh, this time of year, but the change sometimes catches me off guard a little bit. And uh, me and Shannon, uh, when we were first married, we were blessed with a, a relatively large family. And all very close. So we all lived right near each other. And so we played that, hey, you're gonna be, we're going to be at this house for this meal and that house for this meal and all that. We'd, oftentimes I would uh, eat two uh, Thanksgiving meals over uh, Thanksgiving. And so um, I, I was used to that. And it was so awesome. But as the years have gone on... Um, things change, right? Sadly, some of the family members, our grandparents have passed away. Some have moved out of state. Uh, Our kids now grown and have kids of their own. And so the traditions of what was normal isn't the same. And I love so many of the changes, especially watching our kids create their own traditions with their kids and watching our grandson. I'm looking forward to the years coming with more grandchildren and that. But I find myself reflecting more and more these days Now, maybe that's because I'm a grandfather now, I don't know, Um, but I love reflecting back on when we were younger and those traditions and reminiscing about Thanksgiving and Christmas of years ago Um, and memories of early in our marriage of getting together with those friends and getting together with family. In my wife's family, when we got together for Thanksgiving or Christmas, everybody went to Nana and Papa's house. And in Nana and Papa's living room was this really large, uh, it was like a coffee table, but it looked more like a dining room table that was just short. And so there's this big table, and you'd walk into this living room, and there was just a spread of snacks. Every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, you could count on this table full of just appetizers. and Everybody would bring a little something here and there. One of the things that I loved the most that I had no idea about until I met Shannon uh, was they would take uh, a, a package of cream cheese and they would just open that up, slab it on a plate, and then pour a, a, can, a jar of paste peccani sauce right over the top. Super simple, right? Anybody else do that? I had no idea about this. Like, you dip your chips in that, so good. So good. It's probably why I gained a lot of weight after marrying uh, into Shannon's family. The other thing that I loved on this table was a cheese ball. Um, Another thing that my family wasn't a part of our traditions, but the cheese ball, Nana would make these homemade cheese balls. And, and you would just, I love that. And it, it really, uh, uh, my, one of my favorite things of going over there and eating cream cheese and salsa and uh, devouring a cheese ball. Several years into our marriage, uh, many holiday seasons of enjoying this buffet delight of snacks, um, Shannon uh, had a great uncle who uh, his health took a turn. And so he moved from Texas to uh, live with Nana and Papa. He needed a little bit of help. And so he moved from Texas to Modesto. And we got to spend the holiday seasons with this uncle. And we all enjoyed this snack buffet, right? And how it would work is you would come in and you would go over to this table in the living room and pick up a little plate and you would just snack and sample things, right? Is the cheese ball good? Yeah, I'm going to take some of that. And has the cream cheese? Yeah, I'm going to take some of that. You know, there were olives and pickles and all these different things on there and you'd fill up your plate and go sit down, but you'd snack as you went through. And so for many years, as this uncle came to town, perfectly fine, everything went really, really well until his health took a little more of a turn. And this uncle would come in and he'd get over to the snack table and do what we all did, you know, and he'd get all these samples and he would just start coughing. (laughs) Yeah, and not like this, clear your throat. Like, this was well before COVID, right? So we probably weren't as cautious as we should have been. But he had this cough that was like parts of him were just like... Right, I don't want to get too graphic, but it was, it was bad. And it would just go all over these snacks. And we would sit there and like nobody would want to eat any of these snacks. And We'd come in and we'd like, get there quick, you know, because, you know, <laughs> uncle's going to come in and you want to get as much as you can. So, yeah, as years would go on, we like, we're like, all right, get there. But then we got a chaperone for him, right? Like we got this idea, we'll have this chaperone. And he'll take care of the uncle, make him feel really good and comfortable and all of that. But the reality was we just... We wanted our snack table to not be uh, uh, ruined, right? Now, you know, COVID or no COVID, it's not pretty to see. But I bring this story up because I think all of us have that family member. Right? And we loved this uncle. He, his health had turned. And I, and I don't want to make light of him and make fun of him in any way. It was just one of those memories that we look back at. And in fact, me and Shannon were just laughing in the car about it and just remembering him and, and the joy we had with him being with our family. But um, we all have that family member, right? We have that family member who makes it awkward for everybody else or is like that uncle who just kind of ruins some of the dinner at some point during the, the day, right? And, and if you can't think... Of that person it might be you all right <laughs> now, <laughs> now I, we have a large family so I know that at some point in time I've been that person right we all rotate at one point in our life and we become the one that causes the awkwardness and all of that but I look back on fa- on fondness those memories as awkward and as uncomfortable as some of them were and as awkward as and uncomfortable as some of the situations we get into with our friends and family, even now, um, they are what form who we are, and they make the holidays uh, special in many ways. Um, for me, it's the relationships, and I'm I'm grateful. I'm grateful to God for family. I'm grateful for the friends. I'm grateful for all of those memories and the good times that we have had. We've been blessed, and as we investigate God's word, we find that He has really designed us for community. Right, God's word, as we open it up, time after time, we can read about relationship and community and coming together. And this time of year really highlights that, at least for us and our family. Crazy family members and people think taking things too far. Everyone uh, who comes home together, that's part of it, right? But it's not unique to your family. It's not unique to just our culture. It's timeless. Um, This has been happening uh, since the beginning of time. It's people, right? And that's what takes us to the passage today that I want to look at in Mark chapter 2. So if you're there, let's read uh, verses 1 through 5. This is what it says. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no room. Even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Jesus had been out preaching uh, throughout Galilee and uh, He's coming back home. I don't know if it's Thanksgiving time or Christmas, but he's coming back home, right? And people are crowding around. They, they want to uh, be around him. They've heard that uh, his teaching is just amazing. And they've heard that miracles were happening. People were being healed and uh, uh, families and relationships were being restored. And so people were curious and they wanted to be around him. Mark tells us that there was no room left in this house. People are packed in. They're sitting on the floor. They're lying down the hallway. They're looking through the doorways. I envision people standing, looking over shoulders in the doorway, looking and trying to hear and see Jesus to see what was going to happen. Way more crowded than probably any of our homes would have been this weekend. In those days, you didn't need an invitation to join the party. In that culture, if there was something going on and there was a meal being served, you just went and you were just there. Imagine preparing your Thanksgiving meal or preparing your Christmas meal and all of the neighbors decide to just show up at your house. The ones you like and the ones that you don't like. Ones that like you and ones that don't like you. They're just there, they're packed in because Jesus is in the house. Not everybody that was there were friendly with each other. There was conflict. With some of the people who are crowded in that day, much like our homes, right? At Thanksgiving time. Or even here in church, right? Relationships can get a little ugly at times. This is the house that Jesus was at, was likely filled with friend and foe, which you would think, like especially when you think about church, right? That seems like it would be a really good thing. Let's pack everybody in here. Let's get standing room only and let's just pack it in. And that's awesome. I would love to see more and more people coming to hear about the gospel of Jesus. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't invite us into just being in church, Jesus uh, isn't calling us to simply be around him. He's inviting us to put our faith in him. He's inviting us to believe in him and to surrender our lives to him and to become his disciple. So write this down for point number one. Jesus calls me to be his disciple. Jesus calls me to be his disciple. What does that mean? Jesus is talking to his disciples in Matthew uh, chapter 16, verses 24 and 25, and he he explains it this way. He said, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. Being a disciple means that you are a follower of Jesus, right? Simply put. So much of my life I wanted to complicate trying to become this perfect disciple or this perfect Christian. And really it's very simple that we are just following Jesus and trying to emulate him, trying to be like him. The writer of Colossians encourages us to put on our new nature to be renewed as we learn to know our creator and become like him. So often I want my faith to start and make this decision to follow. And this is what I had in my head. I'm going to decide to follow Jesus and then my life is going to be perfect. And then I had to find myself coming to that place over and over and over again throughout my life. Right? That many of us talk about that roller coaster ride. But that moment when you sit back and realize that the journey is about learning and becoming along the way that I'm following Jesus, it changes our perspective. Being a disciple or a follower of Jesus isn't about being in church. Not about that, but that's not the whole point, right? It's not about our church attendance. It's not about doing all the right things. It's not the list of to-dos despite the fact that I love my to-do list and I really want God to just give me a to-do list. Just give me the list and I'll check it off the box. I'll do whatever I need. I just want to be a follower of you. It's not just simply being around Jesus. It is a life that is yielded to being transformed into his likeness. Mark chapter two, verse three and four tells us that four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head and they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. These four men show us what it means to bear the image of Christ. They're showing us uh, steps that we can take and ways that we can do that. They were so dependent. And they wanted so desperately to get their friend. They saw a need. They saw something that needed to be done. And they knew where to take him and where to put him. At the foot of Jesus. I think a lot of times as I try to follow I, Christ, I want to make all the things right for my neighbors and the people around me and just fix things, right? Maybe that's the man part of it. That's a male thing. We just want to fix it. I don't want the details. I, I just want to fix it for people. And the journey is very different. As we love people and we pull them in and we see a need, we simply bring them to the feet of Jesus like these four men do. The stories of Jesus had been circling his hometown, his community for weeks leading up to this moment in Mark chapter two. Amazing miracles have been happening and these four men get word that Jesus is gonna be back home and so they they go grab their friend who's paralyzed. I gotta imagine that they wanted to see their friend restored that they were believing for a miracle, that they were believing for something to happen for their friend. And they get to this house and they see that there's no way that they're going to get their friend through the front door to Jesus. The homes in those days wouldn't have been like our homes, right? They, they would have had a flat, more of a flat roof to them. Uh, uh, you would have come up to the house and there may have been a stairway that would have led to the roof to put repairs and different things like that just to get up there. or Maybe even just a ladder. We don't know how this house was set up, but it's uh, uh, it's fairly easy to, uh, to think that there, this would have been pretty common, that there's a ladder. So it's not an impossible feat. These guys are showing up with their friend and they're like, oh man, we can't. Get through the front door, and they're looking around, and they're like, "Okay, well, let's let's go up this ladder, or let's go up this stairway up the side of the house, and we'll get them on the roof." It's it's not an impossible thing. It's not like they 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 really had to uh, uh, overly think through this, but they had to be creative. How are we gonna get? our friend to Jesus. And they go up to the rooftop and the roof there is probably not anything like what we have, right? It's probably made up of different composites of grass and some clay and maybe a few clay tiles and some planks that are covering up the house just to keep rain and and the weather out and that. So they climb up on the roof and they start digging through this roof over the top of Jesus. Now, I, I... I imagine I like to sit down in the room and imagine what that might have been like if I was sitting there listening to Jesus. If I was one of the lucky who was able to get in close enough and packed in to hear Jesus, uh, you had to have heard these men, four men, carrying a paralyzed man up the stairs. Right? How distracting would that have been? Right? How easily distracted I get just in service when some little commotion starts happening in a service like this. They're packed in. There's no room anywhere. And you're hearing this noise of somebody going up. like It's like a raccoon in your attic, right? They're going up in there and they're digging. And all of a sudden there's dirt and debris falling down into the room. Sunlight pokes through. And all of a sudden this man is being lowered on ropes in a mat. And it says that Jesus saw their faith. He saw these, man, these men and their faith. In Mark chapter two, verse five, it says, "Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, "My child, your sins are forgiven." There's so much in this story, and you can read on through to verse 12 about all the things that happened there, but I want to focus on this statement in verse 5, that Jesus saw their faith. When I look throughout the Bible, there's a lot of stories of people and their faith, of Jesus meeting individuals and saying, it's your faith that has made you whole, or, or it's because of your faith that your son is now healed, and all of these different things. But here we find that Jesus is not just amazed by the faith of the paralyzed man. In fact, we don't even really totally know if the paralyzed man had any faith. I'm assuming that he did, but Jesus says that it's a collective. It's their faith together that, was ama- that amazed Jesus. The four friends, this man, all of them together. Write this down for number two. Jesus is moved when I support others. Jesus is moved when I support others. The paralytic man, right, he needed the others to help him. Maybe Jesus would have made his way at some point to wherever this man was. Maybe it was his, you know, he was gonna be healed, but these four men weren't gonna wait and leave fate to chance. Uh, Maybe uh, you know these kind of guys. Maybe you're one of these kind of people that just goes out of your way to help uh, others. But I love how God allows us to be a part of bringing miracles about for other people. I I, I love, and I'm so grateful that God brings others into my times of need and into my uh, issues and things. And he uses them to bring about healing and hope in my life. When I was a kid, church was uh, pretty much an all day event on Sunday. We got up uh, early uh, in the morning and we went to Sunday school. And you'd sit through Sunday school. The families would all go off to their age groups, right? And, and then after Sunday school, everybody would meet and we would be in our worship service together. And after worship service, it was over and uh, uh, all of that. We would often go out in big groups to lunch or people would go over to other people's house and, and have lunch together, right? That was a very common thing. That was pretty much every Sunday. And uh, uh, you know this time of year that included watching a football game. You know maybe drifting off to sleep. Uh, um, you know you had a good nap on Sunday, and then in Sunday evening, we'd all return and have another service. Right? Anybody remember those days? Um, it was all day. Sunday was we were at church. My parents, when I was old enough to get a job, my mom and dad were like, "Nope, you can't work on Sundays. We go to church on Sundays." That's what we did. And I remember one particular Sunday. Um, during the, the morning service, uh, things were interrupted. There was some commotion that happened. And a, a family in the church uh, got word that their house had, uh, was on fire. And so this family obviously jumped up and ran home to take care of what was going on in their house. And um, I remember our pastor at the time paused and we, we prayed together as a, fam- as a church family for this family. And the service continued on and then we left and went to our lunch and some people, uh, you know, checked on this family and all of that. And then when we came back for the evening service, I was just a young man, but it was very impressionable for me and it stayed with me my entire life. This family returned to the night service, devastated. Right, had lost a lot of what they had and and uh, what they possessed. And I remember just being amazed at. And we had a smaller uh, congregation, um, but I was amazed at all of the people who rallied around them, offering what they could and supporting them and praying for them. And um, you know, it was just such a, a memorable moment for me. It was an impressionable moment for me as a young man that our church family would respond uh, to the need. The paralyzed man had a need and people came around him to support him. And I wish we had more to this story to know if they were close friends or if they knew each other really well. I wish I could really fully know if uh, uh, it was easy for these guys to help. Because for me, if I'm honest, it's easy for me to think about my friends and my close circle and stepping up and meeting a need for somebody that I know. It's a little bit more challenging or a little bit more like if somebody has a need that I don't know, right, I go, well, they'll they'll find help. Right? Or they don't have time to stop and help this person on the side of the road because I have things that I need to account for I need to get done, and somebody else will come and help. You know, we've got cell phones now. It will all be taken care of. It's easy for me to dismiss someone else's need when I don't know them or I don't have a personal connection with them. And so I'm curious that was this an easy thing for these four men to do or was it just something that they saw a need and they rushed in and took it? And though we can't know all of those things for sure, what we do know from this story is that Jesus saw their faith and that he was moved. And it makes me think that Jesus is moved when you and I do the same thing and we help others. I know that in my life, uh, uh, it's really hard sometimes to slow down and take my agenda off the table and to be that for someone else, that these four men were for this paralyzed man. The community that I'm connected to, we need that community and we need each other and we need that support. And I want to be like those four men. I want that to be a reflection of my life. Sometimes it takes stepping out of our comfort zones and and getting out there and introducing ourselves to new people. That can be difficult to start building our community and those relationships around us. We have to put ourselves out there a little bit, right? Sometimes I get into my little circle and I get comfortable with that little group of people that I'm in and it's hard for me to allow others to step in. But when we go out and we make that effort, just like with family, those bonds and those relationships start to grow. Now, it's not all perfect, right? Because much like our families, we hurt each other. We argue, we disagree, we make mistakes. But when we are able to forgive, when we're able to receive forgiveness and give forgiveness, that bond and that relationship starts to grow, right? It's the conflict often that brings the greatest growth. The rose bush doesn't produce the greatest roses without some pruning, without some cutting back. And over time, those bonds grow stronger and we find that when times are tough, there's a community around us that will support us. And when times get difficult for others, we have opportunities to hold them up And Jesus is moved when we respond in love toward others. The Bible talks about the church as a body. It's the body of Christ, all one body with many parts. Write this down for number three. My spirituality is worked out in community. My spirituality is worked out in community. This is actually a quote that I I heard recently um, working on some of the messages for young adults. And it was uh, said by Ben Stewart, who's a pastor on the East Coast. And he said this, that true spirituality will always work itself out in community. And that resonated with me. And it resonated with me because by nature, I'm an introvert. I know you go, that's weird. Uh, you're an introvert and you're a pastor. I know, God does some pretty weird things. But by nature, I'm an introvert. And building community and conflict is something that I want to run from. And it's taken a long time to get to a place where I can see that it is that, that are those things that are often the things that propel the relationships with those around me. Because it's in those moments that we really get to see our true nature when we recognize the mistakes and the things that we've made and we go and ask for forgiveness and we get to see the true nature of those that are around us, but it's not so that we can condemn them or hurt them. It's so that we can all grow and become uh, in the image of Christ, right? To become like him. For me, it's easy to isolate and close down and it's, uh, it's easier than, uh, than opening up and allowing others in. It's taken me many years to recognize the value of not just Working on being a better husband or a better father, or a better friend, but to be more intentional about allowing Jesus into those moments so that he transforms me. And he transforms those that are around me. Listen to what the writer of uh, what Paul writes in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. He said, This let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Paul continues on in another letter, Colossians chapter 2, verse 2, and he says this, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. And again, later, Paul writes in Ephesians 4:15 and 16, But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. For him, the whole body, fit, fitted and knit together by every supporting li- ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by, pro- by the proper working of each individual part. I love those verses because it points me to that place of community that we all have a part. We are all part of the body and that Christ desires a relationship with me and he desires a relationship with you and he desires a relationship with the people who are sitting around you this morning. Whether you know them or even like them, Christ is desperately wanting to have a relationship with those people. Rebecca Simon Peter wrote an article titled Five Tips for Building True Spiritual Community. And in it, she writes this. It's one thing to be in church. It's quite different to be in community. When we are in community, our care and love for one another go deeper than singing together and catching up on the latest news. Our care and love for others dares to go to the soul. Where the question shifts from what's new to how is it with your soul? When you move from being in church to being in community, your vision of others changes and you glimpse Jesus in the eyes of the person sitting next to you. I love that. Listen to that again. She says, When you move from being in church to being in community, your vision of others changes and you glimpse Jesus in the eyes of the person sitting next to you. As you go into this holiday season, maybe you didn't have a joyful Thanksgiving filled with friends and family, or maybe the holiday season is filled with more grief than joy. I encourage you, whether it's a joyful time or not a joyful time, I want to encourage you to look for ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. I love our mission here at New Life. Hopefully you know it. If you don't, it's on the wall out there. But when I came to work here, this just like became like embedded in me because I try and overcomplicate and overthink things so much. But I love uh, that Dave leads us in love people one step closer to Jesus. That just simplifies everything for me, whether I'm having a good day or I'm having a bad day. When I'm having a bad emotional day, I can take a deep breath and go, you know what? I can love people one step closer to Jesus. It takes me out of the equation, really, and puts Jesus into the center of that equation. No matter who I come in contact with, I can rest knowing that today, Jesus really wants to have a relationship with me. And he's asking me to take a step closer to him today. And he's inviting you to take a step closer to him and he's inviting the people that sit around you, the people that you run into at the grocery store, the people that uh, you work with. He's doing, he wants that same for them. He wants to invite them into a relationship with him. And that just takes the burden off of my shoulders. And I go, okay, regardless of how my day is going today, I'm going to love God and I'm going to love people, right? I'm just going to love them one step closer to Jesus. whether you're opening your home and inviting people over for a meal, you're gathering with family. You know, I, I'm always amazed at some of the things that I step into that I discover that I love and that God has gifted me in when I would have said that my personality wouldn't have fit something. I love the video where Jesse is talking about embrace and he talks about that, right? He's like, I had no idea that this would be where I was at. I think people who volunteer for junior high youth ministries feel the same way. They're like, you know, I didn't wake up one morning and decide I wanna be a junior high leader, right? But you talk to them and they'll tell you how amazing it is. Right? You talk to the people who step into those places and help others and lift others up and they'll tell you that it's the greatest thing that they've ever done. And so this holiday season, I encourage you to look for ways to spur others on. Look for ways that you can help others and lift them up and love people one step Closer to Jesus. would you pray with me heavenly father we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy we thank you that that uh you uh, uh just invite us into a relationship with you and so this morning if there's even people that are here this morning that don't have a relationship with you god i pray that uh lord they would just reach out to you and receive that that invitation that you give to them Lord, we thank you and we love you. We're so grateful for all that you have given to us and the many blessings as we go today. Help us to walk with you and take that step closer to you today. And we ask all these things in your name, amen.